Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego Kyle on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you today? I am I'm good. I've got some fun things for you today. All right. And I'm... and I should say fun in quotes because some of it is super fun and other parts are like, whoa, I don't know what to think about that. So All right. Well, now yeah. you've you've definitely piqued my interest. I know. And usually I send you show notes, but I didn't mm-hmm. this time because I wanted to hear your reaction to to some of these things for the first time. So oh boy. Here we you go. can keep up with me. Just, I, I was should have thinking, put a seatbelt on this thing. You should a, yeah. grab your seatbelt, buckle <laughs> in. Um, I'm calling this coffee with Kim, coffee with a K, right? I used to do that for my clients. All right. And once a quarter meet for coffee and I called it coffee with Kim. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, we are going to talk about uh, 23 more or less interesting and fun facts about finance. Okay. 23 and me. Yes. Right. I mean, it's more or less because I've grouped some things together and I probably easily could have come up with a list of a hundred things. All right. Grab your coffee. Got it. Energy drink. Okay. Yes. And whatever, whatever works for you, your tea, your water or glass of wine. If you're listening to this in the evening. All right. Yes. Yeah. Please, please do energy drinks in the evening. Yeah, you can be up all night. All right, so we're going to start with um, some market-based fun facts. Okay. Um, did you know that the Wall that Wall Street itself dates back to the 1600s? No, I had no. I I would have guessed 1800s, but yeah, not 1600s. no, 400 years of of wow. stock market. Okay. So uh, the New York Stock Exchange was called the New Amsterdam Stock Exchange because New York was New Amsterdam, right? And this was back before there were all the uh, ring the bells and mm-hmm. and all the exchanges and things, but um, it just literally was a um, it literally it was a passageway along a wooden wall hmm. in New Amsterdam or what's New York today, and they were protecting the financial area of the um, folks who had immigrated from the you know the Dutch areas of mm-hmm. of Europe um they were they were basically walking this wooden wall and they called it Wall Street they were keeping that um they were keeping out the potential invaders shall we say the riff raffs right the riff raffs so <laughs> I, I thought that was that. Super, yeah and and this new Amsterdam or I guess I should just say Amsterdam Stock Exchange uh which is um part of Europe now the Euronet exchanges first listed stocks in 1602 how in the world would you trade stocks at that point i would assume it was literally a paper exchange well it had to be but yes yes and i mean that's the only way to do it um 
but yeah, so that was the, 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 and that first stock was the East Dutch East Indian trading company. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 If you okay. uh, have, if you remember any of your history, that would definitely make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that name though. <laughs> yeah. So this, um, this company, the Dutch trading company, um, lasted for a couple centuries. Hmm. Right. And this I thought was interesting during the entire time it was in existence for shareholders, it paid an 18% dividend almost every year. Wow. Right. Where are they now? Oh, they're gone. <laughs> come on back. Yeah. Come on back. 18%. <laughs> we'll take it. Right. Right. Jeez. Right. So more information about this stock market. Um, the global bond market is valued at $100 trillion. Currently. Yes. Wow. Yes. Currently. Okay. And interestingly enough, it's about 10% less. Um, well, it's 10% more, 10, 10-ish percent more than the global stock exchange. So the bond market is bigger than the stock mm. markets. And I don't think people realize that. It's it's complicated to to be involved in the bond market. You have to really know a lot of yeah. things. And I found this quote from um, James Carvel. You know who he is, right? I've heard the name. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's kind of a political commentator and he talks a lot about markets and stuff. And um, he said... Quote, I used to think if there was a reincarnation, I wanted to come back as the president or the pope or a 4.400 baseball hitter. But now I want to come back as the bond market. You can intimidate everybody. <laughs> okay. Very interesting thing to come back as. Good luck with right. that. I know, but the, the bond market's super intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm not numbering these because I have so many different things. So we may go over 23, but don't, nah. don't count. Don't count. All right. um, historically speaking, when we talk about stocks, it's, you know, it's interesting because it has given, the markets have given at least an 8% return over time. Mm -hmm. And I looked and looked to try to see if that number was too high. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw higher average returns number average return numbers than eight. So a lot of people took their data and said it was more like 10% a year. And I thought that's crazy, mm. but this is the historical data numbers. And I just want to mention when we are talking about things like this, uh, some of it can really come back to how data is interpreted. Yeah. But when you see enough data interpreted as you know eight to ten percent average returns, that's that's probably the case. Yeah, um, we're not going to get that all the time, but that just sounds great. And then the U.S. accounts for forty percent of the world's stock markets. Forty percent. Hmm. It's pretty do big. You, yeah. Do you have the number on how much we count as far as the bond market? I don't. I'm, I'm going to write that down. Well, because, and the, the reason I ask is because bonds, you and I have talked about this um, yeah. many times. You've had guests that have talked about this. Bonds are very tricky things, in my yeah. opinion. And again, like you said, it, it's very, it can be intimidating. And bonds don't always, you know, aren't, aren't always guaranteed. And so looking yeah. at the worldwide bond market, you could probably get into some pretty sketchy bonds in places. Absolutely. Like, you know, right. And so I'm just like, uh, so I'm, I'm just curious about. Yeah. I wrote that down. Know. I'm going to see All if right. I can find that. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, of course, when we, as I mentioned, 1602 was the first um, stock that was traded anywhere. And trading stocks is the, the most common and oldest form of investment. 40%, man, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's just yeah. U.S. stock markets. Yeah. I mean, of the the overall percentage. So, yeah, interesting. A couple other market-related fun facts. And when I say facts, I'm going to put it in quotes a little bit because, again, some of these things are a little hard to 100% verify. But I found multiple um, mentions of a lot of the things I'm going to say. So uh, the value of, of savings deposits right now um, in the U.S., so we're, we're February 2023, almost February, um, all depository institutions went from, well, right now it's $10.63 in savings. Okay, so savings accounts at Savings banks. accounts, right, savings deposits. So that went up from the 2000. So this is 22 years, right? Mm -hmm. 20, 22 years. It was only 1.8 trillion. Okay. And, and so it's now 10.6. So we we're saving more money. We're That's putting good. it in savings, right? Which is great, but it's, you know, taking us 20 years to kind of get there. Personal budget statistics show that um, personal deposits, however, savings deposits have declined over the last 12 months. And that I would mm. say is really related only to inflation for the yeah, most part. I mean, yeah. Tw last 12 months. Absolutely. Yeah. Inflation has been crazy. So um, yeah, here's, here is the one stock that I'm going to give another, well, I guess I did the original stock um, information, but here's something that will kind of blow your mind. If you invested a hundred dollars in Microsoft in 1986, and it came out. That hundred dollars would be worth forty five thousand dollars today. Mm -hmm. I, I I thought it was more than that actually. Well, that's just a hundred dollars. It's so... just hundred dollars. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. yeah. I it's... think I've heard a different different version of that. But here's yeah. the thing, Kim. You know that I grew up in Washington State, and right. in nineteen eighty six, I probably was just starting my paper round. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Microsoft was there, and I remember seeing different things in the paper throughout the years, you know, living just south of Seattle and Microsoft being a huge influence up there. I remember seeing, well, if you had done a thousand, I think it was a thousand dollars at this right. point with all the splits and everything else, it was an, an incredible amount of money. And I yes. keep going back to that 12, several 13, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. 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 And I just want to shake him and like, look, you bought donuts for crying out loud. And, and right. I mean, know, I was, cards. I graduated from high school that year. Yeah. There you so go. I'm a couple years older than you. Um, but yeah, I was. Um, what was I doing with a hundred dollars? Like we won't not we turning won't it into forty five grand. No, <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. So I'm going to shift a little because that I think that's funny um, to talk about more finance related. Although it all relates to the markets yeah. too. But um, I, oh, I guess I lied. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking about Google. Um, Google investments. If you gather them all together are worth more than the GDP of several countries. Yeah. That, Smaller I mean, countries, you know, Vietnam, yeah, Iraq, still. but yeah, it's crazy. Um, and here is something else that I, I looked up because I saw a news article this morning that the Goldman Sachs 
cut their CEO pay in 2022 by 30%. Hmm. We we really want to see reduced CEO pay. That's a mm-hmm. big deal in our industry. But get this, his cut salary, his reduction was still $25 million. His reduced salary was 25. So he still has a salary of 25 million. Yes, it was 35 million. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, it was um, half of that 25. So it's like 12 million, 3 million, mm. 13 million in 2020. So it tripled. And then now it's back down to 25. I don't know. I don't know how poor David Solomon is going to survive on only yeah. $25 million. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers, everybody. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my but, goodness. That's... Yeah. So Goldman Sachs itself has again also has more GDP than Vietnam. Well. They picked that country to, to notify. Yeah. I no, was like, this I'm is crazy. I'm all for bonuses. Okay. I'm yeah. all for bonuses. You, you take a company through the pandemic, right? And through 2020, through 2021, there should be some kind of bonus for you. I don't know if it should be turning into a triple salary to where you're at 30 million. I mean, that's a bit excessive, but doggone it. Well done, sir. Pat on the back, big bonus check, and an extra boat. I don't know, but it shouldn't be, you know, that much. CEO I mean, pay should not be that not high. Because when yeah. you think about it, the, you know, what the lowest paid worker at Goldman Sachs would there be or any institution, yeah. it's staggeringly high to look at this CEO pay. And we won't know? look at the pay for people that are running certain charities. Because right. Just, yeah, There's a problem there worse. too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's why moving you on. look at yeah. Okay, moving <laughs> on. Um January first of seventeen ninety one. Oh, I remember that. It was a good year. It was a very good year. <laughs> very good year. <laughs> um the it was good because the national debt was only seventy five million dollars. The US national debt. In in seventeen ninety one? Yeah. The US debt was seventy five million dollars. Right. Is that today's dollars or is that like? Yeah, that would be in today's dollars. And so. Oh, really? Okay. The, so it was like, you know, $12.50 back then. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty minimal, but today, you have any wild guesses on what the the um, U.S. debt is? Well, according to U.S. debt clock, which I'm not looking at currently, but I do, oh. you know, frequent every once in a while. It's around $31 trillion, if I'm not mistaken. I saw that the United States government currently in 2021 was $28 trillion. Oh, 28. Oh, that's better than it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's 2021. So we're, you know, two years later. Oh, that's uh, you're doing 2021. Well, yeah, that's I'm the, take a look right now. Yeah. Because hey, ready? The other, go ahead. 31.5 trillion. Yes. Good, the good Congressional Research Jeez. Service, uh, usdebtclock.org. Uh, yeah. 31.5. 31.5. That page that web page of um usdebtclock.org is mm-hmm. a little overwhelming because all those numbers are just flashing and changing constantly Correct. yeah yeah i looked at it and i'm like oh i gotta close this window because that's gonna drive me crazy yeah yeah and when we talk about u.s debt the first debt ceiling was established in 1917 just to confuse you, because we had those same digits in a different order. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, 1791, 1917, got it. Right. Um, and that debt ceiling was set at $11.5 billion wow. back in 1917. And look at where we are now. It's grown more than 11 times. Or, or actually, I should repeat that. 
the the government's debt ceiling has been raised 11 times since mm -hmm. the beginning of 20 or since since the beginning of 2001 it, and, it's been raised 11 times since 2001 yes and oh, 76 man. times since march of 1962 which is a 60 year time span that we're talking about 1962 to current 76 times that's more than once a year that the u.s has raised the debt ceiling uh, if they quit if they keep printing money kim i'm just saying there should be some sort of uh you know group that gets together and says look if you're going to keep printing money the way you're doing it we need to change all the faces right. from on the money to like clowns because that's kind of <laughs> where we're at right like we could get bozo on there we could get uh, laurel and hardy cash would be kind of fun oh yeah that might be more indicative of what's going on if they keep just printing money wow let's just raise the debt ceiling and we just print more if we need it right i'm going to tell you something else that's going to blow your mind because i i am kind of going out of order but it's totally fine because this is funny it's funny but it's not funny yeah um the the federal reserve does not know where two-thirds of the 100 dollars bills that have been printed are but they don't know where they are how how is that how do they not know like they're just sitting in cash somewhere from i don't know <laughs> well i've seen some pictures of some cartel rooms right in in, in literally in with stacks of money literally right? with bricks i mean like the walls are made of cash so yeah. there's a clue <laughs> just... <laughs> just take a look right it's crazy oh, um absolutely insane so yeah and then here's the other thing oh there's more multiple things here but do you know how much it costs to make a penny? Probably more than a penny. <laughs> 2.1 cents. Oh, God. <laughs> this is not going well. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, there's something wrong with that picture. It also costs more to produce a nickel than a nickel's worth. I think it was like eight cents or something well, to make a nickel. I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah. Remember those and, plastic coins when, you know, you taught your kids how to yes. count money? Yes. I think we're going that direction. Right. Just... No, that's I'm plastic. Pretty sure Never mind. This is plastic. It's we plastic. Don't want plastic. No, we don't want plastic. It'll be made out of bamboo. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah that won't catch on fire or anything. So. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but when we talk about the physical money, one bill, one literal dollar bill or hundred dollars, doesn't matter what the denomination is, weighs about one gram. Mm, okay. So if you have... Um, 454 bills stacked on top of each other that equals one pound 454 bills yeah so it's 451 dollars oh. or you know if you just use a single dollar yeah um the typical lifespan of a dollar bill mm -hmm. is 18 months before it goes into destruction mode the shredder yeah. right so and and for each dominate a denomination above that it's a little bit longer time period because we are gonna we use dollar bills use more often yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and so that's that was interesting to me it's all the candy and soda machines they just eat those things up yes i saw <laughs> something about that too like um the average oh gosh i don't know where i saw this statistic but Something about the average amount U.S. individuals put into um, snack and soda machines, mm -hmm. and it was it was something like two hundred and seventy dollar 
Brothers or something like that. It was crazy. Oh. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can find that again, too. It was funny. Um, But, you know, money gets recycled when it gets worn out. Uh, I I don't know if you knew that, but it gets shredded. And there is a, I, I know it goes to a lot of different places to deal with it, but there's a Delaware farm that literally mulches more than four tons worth of worn out U.S. bills into compost daily. Nice. Four tons. Yeah. Wow. So if you go to one of the uh, the printing places, I'm totally forgetting what there's called. only two. So the Federal Reserve has two places that do printing. That, well, one's, oh, one's really? in two? D.C. Yes. I, one's in D.C. and I don't remember where the other one was. I know one's in Kansas because we went down there and visited. Yeah. That... Or Missouri or Kansas. One of those two. Yeah. Um, but if you actually, as a gift for going and taking the tour, they give you mm-hmm. a bag of shredded money. Oh, do you stay sit there and try to put them back together? No, it's a little really shredded. It's really yeah. <laughs> shredded. But it's fun to 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 mess with people and I I actually opened my sister-in-law's gas cap. Not not yeah. the gas cap, just the gas door. Right. Poured a bunch of cash in there. Shut the door. So the next time she went to fill up, she opened that door and and money just really fell out of money it. Just fell. <laughs> she had no idea what was going on. She's calling everybody she knows. There's shredded cash in my in my What happened? Gas door. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. But so real quick, since you're sharing all these facts, can I share one with you real quick? Yes. One of my favorite things to do is, you know, my wife and I work at the cafe at our church and stuff like that. So the kids are buying and, you know, little things. And every once in a while I'll find one. But a dollar bill, when you look at the serial number, some of them have a star, just a, a beautiful little tiny star right after it or right before it. I can't remember. If it has that star, that means that is a reissuance of that serial number. So in other words, the original dollar that had that serial number was shredded, was destroyed. So they reissued that, printed that specific bill with that specific um, number again. And so if, if the that, star is on there, that's yeah, a I'm going to look at that. I've never seen that. But yeah. I'm just thinking that's a lot of data points to keep track of. Right. Yeah. And are they really keeping track of it that well? I don't. <laughs> and at this point, how much does that add to the cost of making a dollar if you have to reprint right. one? Anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? What? Are, oh, money is dirty. We know it's, oh, yeah. it's filthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wash your hands anytime you use cash. That's why people weren't taking cash during the, the height of the pandemic. Mm. They don't want to take Good cash. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let, oh, here's another really fun, interesting fact. Fun fact. I think it's a fact. Fact. The creation of the Secret Service was originally to fight counterfeiting. I knew that. Did you? I knew that one, yes. I didn't know that. When you have counterfeiting now, you still have to call the Secret Service about it. Oh, interesting. They're still involved, yeah. Have you called them? Not lately, no. (laughs) No, but here's another another fun fact. I I like money. Um, Yeah. You can actually uh, talk to the, the Mint... I think it's the mint, right? That the printer. Yeah. You yes. can actually go to the mint on their website and get sheets of money. Like like sheets of money before they're cut. Yeah. So that are always... not correct. No, probably. they're correct. They are. They're correct. You can they're... get them? Yes, you can. You can purchase them. Right. So what I wanted to do, and I just I never did it, I wanted to get a full sheet of like twenty dollar bills and wrap my kids' present in it for Christmas one year and just say, Hey, take it easy with the wrapping paper. <laughs> and, and let them know it's real real money. And there's a gentleman that I, I was following, I was listening to, that he would get sheets of $2 bills. 
Yeah. And he would also, or he, no, he was getting sheets of $5 bills and he'd go to like Burger King and at the window, he'd cut out the $5 bills <laughs> to give them. And they did call the police. The police did show up. They did have to call the secret service because they thought he was counterfeiting money and just printing it, <laughs> cutting it out and using it. So I don't, oh my I, God. I don't advocate that, but that's actually happened because wow. you could buy sheets of money. That's crazy. Yeah. I love it. I love it when people do stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to skip a couple of things here and, and move on. Um, do you know how many federal tax brackets there are in the U.S.? Is it five. And what they are? There are six. Six. 10 percent, 15 percent, 25, 28, 33, and 35. Oh, I thought there was a 12, so I'm way off. Yeah, this is the the most recent um, numbers that I could find, but we can keep, you know, again, like you can find various things that are close, but not quite the same all over the internet. And they change things all the time. I mean, yes. Yeah, we've talked about this. <laughs> right. And since I didn't call up the IRS to get that statistic, you know, I'm relying on other other data sources. So, um. Oh, and I think most people don't realize this, that tax brackets are, you know, everyone, no matter how wealthy you are, you pay 10% in taxes on the first, I think it was $8,900 or $8,700. Mm. And then it goes up to the next higher tax brackets in much bigger increments than yeah. $9,000. So everyone pays that and then it goes, it's a scale. Yeah. That's interesting. Surprising facts are not so surprising. Um, family income shows that there is a huge difference in the financial security between white and Asian Americans and black and Hispanic families, Americans. Yeah. That, not so, surprising, like you said. yeah, I mean, this is definitely not a surprising fact. Um, so white and Asian Americans are significantly more likely to report family incomes that are six figures, a hundred thousand and more. And 43% of black adults and 40% of Hispanic adults had a family income below 25,000. Mm. Huge disparity. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about some personal finance facts now. 28% um, of families actually have a long-term financial plan, but that's only 20, 28%. It's pretty low. Which, you know, of course, leads to this, uh, the financial state of 55% of people is described, shall we say, as coping. <laughs> okay. They're just, you know, they're just basically getting by. Just getting by, yeah. Right. Yeah. And 31% of people are considered, you know, according to some categories, uh, are financially healthy. So 31%, only 31%. Mm are financially healthy. 66% are not optimistic about their personal finances. <laughs> it's a bad place to be. It is. And when you think two thirds of Americans are just not optimistic about it, it means they, you know, they honestly just don't have a lot of hope in terms of where it would go from there. Um, let's see. Oh, again, with that 66%, only 60% of Americans have a three month emergency fund. I ask mm. my clients every time they would come um, what in. What percentage? Uh, 60%. 60% which I think have is, one? Yes. Wow, that's surprising to me. 
I know. And I was thinking, you know, because I asked my clients all the time when they would come in and very few of them had a three-month emergency yeah. fund. So I don't know that that specific fact is actually correct because I would think that it would be the opposite. Yeah, I would say it's like 30%. So yeah, yeah. Huh? Interesting. Well, yeah, maybe it's better so, than right. Well, you know, it, about 20% of people said they couldn't get through three months of income loss with mm-hmm. with any means. And then another, I don't know, uh, 15-ish percent said they could borrow money if they needed to. Yeah. But, you know, it's still a significant number of people who are not going to get by if they have an emergency yeah, and don't true. have that fund. Yeah. And this I saw in multiple places. For some families, baby-related expenses take up 25% of their income, up to 25%. Babies hmm. are expensive. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're talking all the expenses, daycare included, that's huge. Oh right? my gosh, if, you know, daycare, daycare costs yeah. have gone up so much since I had my kids in daycare. Yeah. Now, you know, they're 31 and 32, but I can't believe the price that some people have to pay for daycare. Yeah. I don't know why some people work. I mean, we're talking... Eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month, I think, is average. Oh, easily, yeah, yeah. yeah. Depending on the age of the child, I mean, you're. I know the, one of our friends was paying almost close to three hundred dollars a week. Yeah. Um, you know, for a, a, a newer born child, like they went right back to work, so it was probably two months old when they. Yeah. Yeah, that's. It's crazy. That's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot of money out of your pocket. Here's something else that's kind of stressful, shall we say, in terms of personal finance and stress levels, because money is stressful to Mm -hmm. people. uh, 87% of Americans are stressed out about inflation. Yeah. I don't don't know. I mean, I I don't know how they couldn't be stressed out by it because we in our house were just discussing the increased cost of groceries over the last six months. Yeah. And it's crazy uh what we've increased our grocery spending i've basically almost doubled our allocation in our budget to that which is tough because it takes away from saving money or any of mm-hmm. those other things that you want to create like your three-month emergency fund let's see what yeah do i add to my time? retirement account or do i buy eggs right, right? I mean, those, those are the choices we have kind of in, right. in a lot of ways so yeah, I mean, you remember the days of ninety-nine cent eggs? Oh yeah, and yeah. and now they're at least four dollars a carton in most cases, unless they're on sale. Yeah, I was joking with the team uh, on a team meeting last week that you know I'm not claiming to be independently wealthy, but I will tell you that we bought a box of five dozen eggs the other day, which is fantastic. ooh, yeah, <laughs> but it costs that's... twenty some odd dollars. And it's like used to be around <laughs> eleven or twelve, you know, for the full case, but right, yeah. It's... It's a lot. And if you really look at that, you're, you think, oh, my God, how how do some people get through this? You know, 61% actually of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which goes back to that. How exactly. do 60% of Americans yeah. have an emergency fund? I don't think that's correct. I don't think it's correct either. Yeah. I think this statistic is much more accurate, 61%. Yeah, 61% pay- live paycheck to paycheck, yeah. And 42% of people who earn six figures are also living paycheck to paycheck. So it's not just the $25,000 household income. It's those with a hundred thousand and more. Wow. 
42% are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and oh, oh, and on top of that, 36% of income earners, 36% who earn more than $250,000 annually are living paycheck to paycheck. One third of what we would call the very upper middle class. How many families. eggs are they buying? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> It's got to be the area that they live in, right? I mean, it, like yeah. California, it, you could be earning two hundred fifty thousand or three hundred thousand dollars. That is not a no, lot. I mean, you're, not a lot. Housing costs, is, you know, the housing costs, the gas costs, and all that stuff. Right. Is I so mean, much higher. But. If depending on the house you have, for example, in the San Francisco area, you could be paying four to eight thousand dollars a month just yeah. on your mortgage. That's ridiculous. Right. Crazy. So of course you're going to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting just reading about the stress levels of people around finance. Um, you know, you and I have talked about that before and, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So the, the American Psychological Association showed that, of course, money related stress in 2022 was at its highest point that it's been for a very long time, probably since the 1930s, early 1930s would be my guess. Um, Personal finance statistics show us that uh, it's across all age groups that are stressed about this, but 80% who are younger than 43 are deeply concerned about money and are financially stressed. So our youth get pushing on, pushing to half of them are very stressed about money. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I, what do you, do you have any more fun statistics? I don't know how many I just mentioned, but I'm sure it's more than 23. Yeah, there's a ton, but just touching on what you just said is that the problem that I see, and, and it's, it's it's like perpetual almost, you learn your money behaviors from right. your parents usually, right? Or, or people in your life that you've seen deal with money, which is the first ones are usually the parents. Right, which and we so, talked about that. We talked about money messages. Yes, money messages. In a podcast, yes, yeah. Exactly. What money messages are these kids getting now? Because with all the inflation, with COVID, with all the concerns and worries and the influx of COVID money, right? So people got checks just sent to them and some families socked it away for a rainy day. Some families went out and bought a bunch of stuff and, hey, my kids are feeling really bad, so we're going to buy some fun things. Right. And all of a sudden there's just, just free money. That's one message. But then a year later, jobs aren't going well. Inflation is high and now the parents are stressed. And what does that tell those kids and how are they growing up with those money messages and what are they turning into if they're not being truly knowledgeable about how money works and best ways to save right. and, and eric i think a that's cycle. a really yeah really great question and i i would guess that each generation grows up with different types of money messages and money Absolutely. stresses because it, every situation is different like the economy is different now than it was 30 years ago yeah. So absolutely. I, I just think about when my kids were entering their teen years, eh, not quite teen years, they were late, you know, nine or 10, maybe, um, you know, income was easy for them. I mean, they, you know, for me, it was easy mm -hmm. and they were getting the, all the things that they needed all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't a worry for them. And, but on that, on that note, my kids were not interested in a lot of things like game, you know, game consoles, consoles yeah. and all of that. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't spending lots of money on that, but it, 
you know, their, their perspective of finance is very different than, um, people even 20 years after them. Yeah. And, so. and I'm so thankful you and I've talked about this off air and maybe even on air, but I grew up in a household. We didn't have a lot of money at all. Yeah. And when we did get little things, it was not, it was nothing compared to what my friends got or, or right. school got. And, and, and so I, I always kind of grew up thinking, man, money's always tight. Money's always tight. And it wasn't necessarily a bad money message. What I'm very thankful for is that my parents, they concentrated, my father specifically because of his work, he was working at Boeing, concentrated on his mm. retirement. He retired from yeah. the Air Force after 20 years and then he went to work for Boeing. So he was pouring into his retirement. He's 83 now. My mom's 73 now. They're on a, you know, quote unquote fixed income, but they've never had to get assistance from us. We're more than happy to assist them. Right. But they set themselves up well for a long-term retirement right. by being more frugal, by being, yeah. you know, more conservative with their money when I was a kid. And I saw it as, well, I don't get the good genes. I get the ones from Sears with, you know, the tough skins. They right. were called, I believe they're made of burlap. If I'm not mistaken, that's how they felt. Yes, <laughs> they were very stiff. They were very stiff, yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, I learned a valuable lesson. He He made sure that he was able to take care of himself and his wife and wouldn't need to rely on his children. Yeah. Right. And that's a beautiful thing, I think. And I, I, I'm hoping that more people can see that and that can come to fruition for folks. Right. And, you know, people want to feel comfortable in their retirement. And that Absolutely. is, that's perfect. So all of these stressors, all of these fun little facts, and some were fun, some were serious, but, you know, what do you do? Right. What do you do when you think about that? You call Horizon Sustainable Financial mm -hmm. Services. And they're going to help you reduce your stress. They'll help you with your financial needs. They'll help you with your asset management, doing financial plans because everyone needs that. So please call Johan at 505-982-9661 or email info at horizonssfs.com. And that goes to everyone on the team. So yes. we'd all like to help you. Well, and I, I would encourage any, um, you know, member of the government, Congress, Senate, president, vice president, whoever you are, call Johan because he's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, he's a lot smarter than y'all. I'm just going to say that. That's just Eric's opinion, but he's much yeah. smarter than the people that I'm addressing because as we've been talking, Kim, I'm looking at the clock. While you've been listening to this podcast, listener, the national debt has increased by $38 million. So somebody needs to call Johan and get this stuff right? figured out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I would love it if Johan could solve all of the money problems that, that we be, have. Yes, but he can help you with a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd rather work with individuals. Million 38 in, million during this podcast. In half an hour. Yeah. 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 And by the time we actually hit the stop button, it'll be about 39 and a half or 40 million. Oh, That's God. fun. Yeah. So I don't know if you have anything else to add. I just want to talk about That's our next it. guest. Yeah, uh, oh, I'm going to have yes. a guest on the next podcast will be Samuel Adams. Okay. It's a great name, right? I'm, I'm, I've known Sam Adams, just yeah. not, not this one. Yeah, well, it's probably not true. <laughs> um, he Sam has a, a business called Vert Asset Management, and recently he had an article in the newspaper or in a, a trade publication that I thought was phenomenal and that my listeners should hear about. So I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. It's just a All little right. sneak peek. Okay, we'll look forward to it, Kim. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And of course, our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego-Kyle. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe down button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review, as this does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast, reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505-982-9661 and be sure to ask for Johan Klassen. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego-Kyle produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.